Welcome to the World Cup Road Trip. Today, Tony and I saunter around Sochi discussing Stalin, Keynesian economics, taking a dip in the Black Sea, and Tony gets a heavy metal beard. It's just another day at the World Cup in Russia. Francis, um, I'm in the centre of Sochi and I've actually approached a swirling barber's pole uh, because I think I need a bit of a, a clean-up. You've seen my, uh, my beard descending into wild and woolly status. Your destination is on the left. And, and as you can hear, the barber's pole destination is just on my left. Um, but I've decided to keep the beard uh, in, intact in some form as an act of defiance of Peter I, Tsar Peter I, who in 1698 instituted a beard tax. He wanted his people to fall into line with Western Europe and thought they were too beardy as a country and so therefore instituted a tax of about 100 rubles a year. And if you, uh, if you had a beard, you had to carry a token known as a beard token um, which said that you'd paid the tax. And this was an attempt to cut down on beards in Tsarist Russia. Um, so no token meant you hadn't paid the beard tax and you had to shave off your beard. So uh, what I'm going to go and do is go and get a neck and uh, a neck cleanup, I think is what it's called, but keep the beard. And then I'm going to carry my beard token for the rest of the World Cup. And I'm going to let my beard token be... Can't think of anything funny. Just a coin. It was a house of the leader of the city. Ah. Yeah, that, that's why facing what? Facing the the total leader, yeah? The Lenin. <laughs> you know this joke about the, the old lady who who didn't who didn't hear the name and somebody was saying, who is that? And there was uh, like a guy talking about Lenin, oh, this is Lenin, this is famous leader for Russia and blah, 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 1920s, he died in the Soviet Revolution. But she couldn't hear many things. She said, excuse me, who is that? They said, this is Lenin. Who? And the other guy from the group said, oh, you're deaf, you know. He said, it's Lenin, Lenin, John Lenin. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm with Andre, he's our tour guide. He's walking us around Sochi, the city that was built uh, mostly as a, a Soviet resort in the early part of the 20th century. And, and Andre, you're talking before about, about Joseph Stalin and how he was in some ways disappeared from Russian history. But is there a bit of a, a revision now again, another look at his legacy for Russian people? Uh, there might be some um, interesting stories uh, in the revision of uh, Stalin's history. And uh, they're bringing the new look uh, on what was happening in his days. Obviously, we never forget about uh, what happened. And uh, the bad things happened during uh, the time of uh, Stalin. But uh, revision is actually uh, bringing some positive look, uh, bringing some extra energy to, I, I would say, to, to, the national, to the national ideas. About Russian prestige? Uh, yes, kind of prestige about uh, the qualities of life, what uh, they, were, they were looking at in Stalin's days. Because many things were neglected during the uh, Khrushchev times after the Stalins. So uh, consider even architecture-wise, 
It was like plain, simple buildings. In Stalin's day, they, they had this chic sometimes. They had this uh, art. Uh, so you, you, you could see some of the architecture of Stalin on our way. With the columns, with the colonnades, with beautiful beauty of the neoclassicism. In Khrushchev's uh, day, everything became really plain. The architecture became sort of uh, simple. At least, at least, if you look in the perspective of our own city, you know, I cannot go and talk about whole Russia, like talking about uh, Saint Petersburg, Moscow architecture. I don't, I'm not really an expert in architecture, but consider to what was done, what was built in uh, in Sochi. Uh, architecturally, uh, we can we can see in Khrushchev's day is a plain architecture, many small housing uh, for people, but not anything like uh, like an art museum or a bigger perspective. As a, as, a, as a 21st century Russian, are you allowed to talk with your friends about Stalin? Is it something of you course, can talk about? Of course, you can talk about uh, anywhere. You know, nobody really protect and uh, nobody really tell you. You know, you cannot talk about Stalin or whoever. You know, we're so open for that. We just did that then. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Andre. Okay. Well. Time we're on our walking tour of Sochi, and this was a town that was built around the Soviet times as a, a resort town, really, uh, mostly for those in the Soviet Union who were seen favourably by the regime, the Stalin regime, and beyond. The duckers that are here are for the Politburo. They used to come and have their holidays down here. And um, in latter times, that uh, tradition's been continued because Vladimir Putin himself has invested heavily in this place for his own personal lair, which is here, and as a pride, a jewel in the crown of uh, the new Russian optimism and mercantilism and, and the money that's here. But our guides are always interesting. They sort of dance around the politics of it, and I'm not quite sure how to uh, express their... Uh, Oh, their ambiguity or their their feelings about both Putin and the past as well. Our current guide Andre was talking about Stalin before and talked about how Stalin had been denounced by Khrushchev in the 50s and that maybe in recent times people had reviewed Stalin's legacy and that he made Russia strong and helped them win World War II and maybe it wasn't quite as bad as everyone had made out so they're still wrestling with the history. I, said, I was really surprised by that Stalin comment because he, he basically said that the West has him wrong and that the Khrushchev era that kind of denounced some of the extremes of Stalin's crimes have got it wrong and you kind of think wow um you know i sort of had an understanding that that he'd been removed the, all the statues were gone and that they would you know in 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 exiting that regime and that way of life they would have exited him as a as a revered figure but you know just from the way that he spoke then it was that he is uh you know that he made russia great and that what perhaps what you know, the extrapolation you have is that they have someone like Putin who, you know, is, is as you say, he's resurrecting the same city and there's a, there's a bit of, uh, there's a bit of, you know, similarities there, I guess. Um, that you, you're not really left wondering what, what he would think of Putin. Do you get an understanding as to why the approach to politics is the way it is here? I mean, everyone we speak to, there, we've met people who are openly dissenting and they don't like Putin. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there's some people who resent the restrictions and the freedom of speech, which has been curtailed, and the self-censorship that, that's required to survive here, which is a long tradition that stems out of the Soviet times. It's a hard habit to break to think twice before you speak if generations of people have paid the price for thinking and speaking at the same time. But there is a, a sense also that people... Are pragmatic. They're really, really pragmatic. Putin, they acknowledge 
probably is a tyrant in his own right, but he's brought stability and he's brought a level of prestige and a little an assertion for Russian pride, which they felt was completely stripped of them at the end of the Soviet Union. The Yeltsin era was chaotic. Russia became a basket case and the people felt it very deeply. And the other thing is you get a sense everywhere you go that the two world wars in the last 120 years and the loss of literally 40 million Russian lives in that time um, still leaves a very deep scar and the people here have stories in their own families that relate to those events and the loss is still felt very keenly. And so a strong Russia that looks back at the West ready for action and ready to defend itself is something that they seriously value, something they seriously want. Um, and hence they're probably prepared to put up with the excesses of Putinism and their own sacrifice and the things that it asks them to do if they feel that it's making them safer and stronger. We look in from the other side and think, well, this is not how we would choose to live, yeah. but it's not a choice that they get. There was one girl I spoke to yesterday around the stadium who said, um, you know, that he's not perfect, but who's better? Who's better? How can you choose anyone better? And I said, well, there's, what happens when the institution is gone and you no longer really have the choice? Um, is it worth giving up the institutions uh, in order to, to have the person who at the moment makes you feel safe? And she said, yes, it is, because... You don't understand that with Russia, um, there's bad things always on the doorstep, um, that people might come and invade our country, that the West might attack our country, that anything can change. And we know that with, we know that with Putin, we are safe, uh, that he is strong and that he will look after us. So that's the view from here, one that we can't understand coming from a country that's barely had its shoreline invaded, unless in the, in the European times at least, and certainly never had to live with the suffering of mechanised military might raining down on us and killing millions of our people. I'm trying to get an understanding of that, being here, maybe a little more forgiving of how people are prepared to forgive Putin. <laughs> And Tony, one last reflection on the history wars here in Russia as we walk around beautiful Sochi in the sunshine. While the Russians wrestle with their history and try to make sense of their past in order to find a way to the future, let's face it, as Australians, we're shit at it. We're terrible at it. A, Australian history is not taught in schools, so nobody knows their history, though everyone wants to pretend they can wear an Australian flag and run around on Australia Day. They couldn't even name the ships in the first fleet, but they all think they're, they're great patriots. And we haven't got a clue on how to reconcile our history with Indigenous people. Not at all. We haven't even started that yet. Yet we might tut-tut at the Russians when they look to the future through the lens of the past. No, it's really hard when there's national shame involved. And, you know, I think there is national shame uh, in some elements of what people like Stalin did in the 20th, 20th century here. And then we have to grapple with what happened in our country between 1788 and now. And, you know, every time you do, there's going to, you're going to lose a section of the population who don't want to face that. And um, so it ends up being an us versus them. And I, I can only imagine when something is as pointed as 40 million dead here, I can only imagine the, the, the stakes at play when they have the debate uh, because we see it at home when, when, you know, the two sides, it feels like it does feel like that, two sides, and, and they, we can't get anywhere. Two sides, no shared history. You're not getting very far. 
Gotta say though, you're learning a hell of a lot when you walk around Sochi about Russian history. You can at least get a chance to discuss it. This is Acast Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're gonna love. I'm Molly Hockey. I'm an actor, writer, comedian. I'm 40. I'm single, and I'm trying to get pregnant. So I started Spermcast. I interviewed potential sperm donors, doctors, witches, scientists, surrogates. I did hilariously awkward home inseminations. I got pregnant. I had a miscarriage. I laughed. I cried a lot. I got sperm from a sperm bank and started fertility treatments. Now here I am in season three. If you're pondering motherhood or in the thick of trying to get there, or if you just like comedy and watching a woman lose her ever-loving mind in real time, subscribe now to Spermcast. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.